Hello, and welcome to this special edition of the Talking Pharmacy podcast, where we look back at some of the best interviews on the pod of the year so far. My name is Richard Thomas, editor of Pharmacy Magazine. Coming up, we'll hear from Vanessa Joseph from the charity Mind on tackling mental health problems in the young. And legal expert David Reisner talks about the legislative changes concerning the role of the superintendent and responsible pharmacist. But first, let's go back to May and my interview with Daniel Lee, founder of HubRx, about his bold plans to create the UK's first centralised automated dispensing facility for independence, changes in the law permitting. Listeners will know that in his previous job, Daniel launched Pharmacy2U in 1999, the UK's largest online pharmacy and, to many, the corporate bête noire of the sector. I asked Daniel whether he felt his reputation could count against him in his new venture. Well, I'd, I'd hope not. I think, um, you know, you, you learn as, as, as you get experience and, and you benefit from, from the wisdom and, and uh, the mistakes that you made. And I think if you, you know, if you don't make mistakes, then you're not trying hard enough. Uh, I'm very proud of, of my achievements at Pharmacy2 um, and... I would hope that the independent pharmacists have, have seen the growth at Pharmacy2 and seen the technology that has enabled them to be able to do that. And the fact that I'm uh, I'm rebuilding, um, uh, you know, with with HubRx and offering that into independent pharmacies, they can see that they, they can also benefit from that. So you'd think that um, whilst Pharmacy2 was disruptive and is disruptive into in, into independent pharmacy, uh, there's a lot of, that that um, pharmacy can learn from from what we've re-engineered and what we've developed and transformed over the years so um, hopefully they will they'll see that this is uh, a force for good and I have to say it's it's, it's nice to be welcomed by pharmacists uh, for a change I've, I've found it really refreshing that I can walk into a pharmacy or walk into a, um, a professional industry meeting um, and not not have um, some, some some awkward moments so it's uh, it's been really it's been really quite refreshing to be honest. Daniel Lee from HubRx. Next, we hear from Vanessa Joseph, Youth Voice Network Manager and Mental Health Charity Mind. Last month, she featured on our Category Insight podcast, talking to Training Matters editor Monica West about how pharmacy teams can help young people with mental health problems. What signs should they be looking out for? There may be some real subtle signs that young people are suffering. Um, so these signs could be things such as stating that they have like a physical illness, like they've got a tummy ache. Um, they may be forgetting things or changing their minds. So, for example, that could look like being more upset or irritated by things that previously may not have phased them. Um, they may struggle to like make decisions if you're asking them what you would deem as quite simple questions. Um, they may really struggle to answer that or make a decision. Then you may start seeing them avoid people or avoid particular places. Not sleeping or eating well as well is a really big one on young people. And for younger young people, um, that can be quite 
hard because there is also this big emphasis on healthy nutrition and exercise and looking after yourself in this obesity crisis. And so parents, carers may be like, oh my gosh, my child's not eating, what's wrong with them? And almost trying to force food down them, but this could be a really big sign um, that something's not right. They're becoming unwell with their mental health. They need some help. But just to say, these aren't the only signs. Um, and those signs, a lot of them rely on you having a previous relationship with that young person to know them. So I would just want to share here that the most important thing um, for young people is if they're acting differently to how they usually act, or if they've come into the pharmacy and you're just thinking, mm, not sure, ask them, are you okay? Would you like a chat? And ask them this twice. Don't just take the first, yes, I'm okay. No, no, are you are you really okay? Would you like a chat with us? We can take you somewhere private that we can talk. Don't dismiss their change of character as like bad behavior or hormones or being a grumpy teenager. Um, take them seriously. Vanessa Joseph from Mind, talking to Monica West. The full conversation can be heard on the latest Category Inside podcast, which is on the Pharmacy Magazine and Training Matters websites. Do check it out. Finally, let's hear from legal expert David Reisner, who is chair of the Pharmacy Law and Ethics Association. In July, we talked about the forthcoming legislative changes concerning the role of superintendent and responsible pharmacists, which will have significant implications for how pharmacy operates and indeed the regulator. What will this mean for the role of the responsible pharmacist? Responsible pharmacists will still be legally responsible for the safe and effective provision of medicines at the specific premises where they are working. But what will then change is that some of the nitty-gritty aspects of a responsible pharmacist duties, keeping records, maintaining a responsible pharmacist log, that kind of thing, um, those will cease to be legal obligations. And the regulations that were introduced in 2008 uh, will be abolished. And the responsibility for the professional requirements, and they will become professional requirements rather than legal ones, uh, will all go over to the GPHC and the Pharmaceutical Society of Northern Ireland. Now, um, that I think uh, has the potential for um, uh, real um, change and uncertainty as well, because for example, one of the important changes that was made in 2008, when the law created the role of responsible pharmacists who had to be at the particular pharmacy premises, was that um, the responsible pharmacist could be absent from the premises for up to two hours uh, in a day. Uh, and that has continued at times to be controversial. Uh, 
but that um, ability to be absent for two hours a day is part of the regulations that will be abolished. So um, at this point, we have no idea how the GPHC will view the two hour absence uh, or any of the other specific provisions. And no doubt there will be some kind of consultation by the GPHC in the future. Um, and that consultation will um, tell us what the GPHC's own proposals are. But as with all consultations, by the time the consultation paper is published, the body that is conducting the consultation will already have a fairly clear idea of the direction it wants to go in. And that's usually quite a long way um, down the road. Um, so we, we don't know. When we're dealing with a government department like the DHSC, they're a political organisation, they are headed by uh, a minister, and um, it is possible to deal with ministers, to lobby ministers, and to say, look, these are changes which um, our sector needs or which our part of the sector needs. And this is why these are the issues leading to the department, for example, recognising that there's an issue and setting up, as it did, a rebalancing board to look into things. Um, it's not so easy to get a view across to them or to lobby them or to engage in discussions because the GPHC is a uh, a different type of body altogether. It's not uh, political. It is accountable, but it's uh, accountable, for example, um, to the Professional Standards Authority. And uh, the Professional Standards Authority is largely interested in process and in fitness to practice. Uh, I doubt that the Professional Standards Authority is going to have a particular view about whether the responsible pharmacist should be allowed to be absent from the premises, and if so, for how long. So I think there's a lot to play for here, uh, but it's also difficult to know uh, what pitch the game is going to be played on and what the rules of the game are going to be. And that's it for our short review of some of the best interviews on the podcast in the year so far. My thanks to Daniel Lee, Vanessa Joseph and David Reisner, and indeed all the interviewees who've been on the pod this year. All our podcasts can be found on the Pharmacy Magazine website, pharmacymagazine.co.uk, or from your usual podcast provider. The Talking Pharmacy podcast returns next week for our first edition of the autumn, where I'll be joined by all the editors to discuss the big pharmacy stories of the week. Until then, I'm Richard Thomas. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs>